I want to talk to you today out of Leviticus 24, and I want to talk to you about tending the lamps. This is a message that God dropped in my heart this past Wednesday during our house of prayer. I was coming in, and uh, actually, I was right over here, and I was going to put on some soft prayer music just for the whole day, and I was flipping on a, a switch, and I saw this real strong mental picture of like an Old Testament priest, uh, but it was like a little boy. And he was coming in and he was, he was opening uh, the doors of the temple and he was lighting the lamps and he was doing all these things to get ready. And I heard the Lord say in my spirit, tend the lamps, tend the lamps. And I was like, ooh. And then I thought about it all day long. And, and after our first prayer time that morning, uh, I knew I had to research it. It was, a, it was an invitation. That whisper was an invitation um, from God. And so I, I began to study into what it meant to tend the lamps. And it's so rich. There's so much to it. And the Lord has a powerful message for us today, powerful revelation for us today uh, in this message about tending the lamps. And so I want to start just by reading Leviticus 24, verses 1 through 4. And it's actually quoting Exodus 27, which was when this command was given to Moses from God. Uh, They're talking about the the worship for uh, the Old Testament tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent-like structure that preceded what the temple would be when Solomon built the temple. It would be a permanent structure that would reflect what the tabernacle was. And so God gave the tabernacle worship to Moses. And this is what he says in Exodus 27 about what they're to do in the holy place inside that tabernacle. And this is Leviticus 24, 1 through 4, quoting what was told to Moses. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives. That's extra virgin olive oil from the first pressing for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Look at your neighbor and tell him continually. From Exodus 27, it says that they may be kept burning always, all the time, continually. Verse 3, outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law and the Tent of Meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning Continually, There it is again, repeated for emphasis. Anytime the word repeats something, especially within a few verses, God is making a point. He's, he's emphasizing this on purpose. He wants us to tend the lamps continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be tended Continually, third time he repeats it. Um, He's talking about tending the lamps. Now, if you're new to church, new to God, I want to briefly explain to you what this is talking about. And I promise you it's relevant for us today. Uh, In the Old Testament, uh, in the time of Moses, that's when God instituted, he not only gave the law to Moses, the Ten Commandments, he gave the temple worship and all of the different Uh, religious activities that they were to do. And I think we have a picture of the Old Testament tabernacle area. And that the big tent-like structure there, that's the actual tabernacle itself. There was an outer courtyard. There was an altar there in the outer courtyard where you would bring your offerings and they would sacrifice the the lambs, goats, bulls, whatever. Kill them there. And then there's a little... uh, I forget what they call it, um, but it's a little wash basin full of water um, where they would wash. Uh, the priests especially would wash before they would go into the, temp- or into the tabernacle. They would never go into the tabernacle without first washing with water. Now we have a picture of the inside of the tabernacle and it, there were two rooms. The first room was a little bigger and in this room you had a table with bread on it, 12 pieces of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. To the left you had the lamp stand that God is talking about there and then in front uh, of them was the altar of incense where the priests would, they would light the lamps, they would uh, 
tend to the showbread. New bread was put out every Sabbath. Um, the priests were allowed to eat that bread throughout the week, and then they would put out more bread every Sabbath. And, and then they would burn incense, and as they burned incense, they would pray. And, and this all has meaning. This all was symbolism. This all was prophetic. The room behind that place, which is called the holy place, the room behind it is called the most holy place or the holy of holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant uh, sat. And inside the Ark of the Covenant had the Ten Commandments, Aaron's staff that had budded, and a, actually a jar of the manna uh, being kept supernaturally uh, fresh, you know, by God's presence. And nobody was allowed inside the, the temple or the tabernacle. The temple, by the way, when they built the permanent structure, was, was this same layout, only it was permanently made of stone overlaid with gold and everything. Um, nobody was allowed inside of this except the priests in the holy place. Nobody was allowed inside the Holy of Holies except one person, the high priest, and that just once a year. And he had to take the blood of a precious lamb inside and he would pour it on the mercy seat, which was the covering of the Ark of the Covenant, uh, to make atonement for the sins of all the people. And there was this giant curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And that's what was called the veil, which we just sang about when the veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross. And so when God is talking about tending to the lamps, he's talking about that big lampstand there, uh, what, what Jewish people still today would call the menorah, because all that is is in Hebrew, the word lampstand means it, it's pronounced menorah in, in Hebrew. And so this is what the lampstand would have looked like. And as you can see, it's got seven branches total. And on the top, it was to resemble an almond uh, plant, almond tree plant. And on the top were literal oil lamps. And so you would pour oil in these, fill these with oil, uh, extra virgin olive oil, and there would be a wick placed in each one and you would light them. And God says in this passage, I want you to keep these lit uh, continually, always. When he says from evening till morning, some commentators uh, believe that that meant they were only burnt during the night. But I do not believe that is the case. Again, in Exodus, it says, keep them burning always. And you have to understand in the tabernacle, there were no doors. There was just a big curtain. And so when the priests would come in to do their work, even during the daytime, it was pitch dark in there if this lamp was not kept burning. And so you can imagine in your mind's eye, you go into this holy place and the only light in there morning or night is this big lampstand. This lampstand would have stood about five and a half feet tall. I think we have another picture of a priest, an artist's rendition of a priest lighting it or, or tending to it. And that's about, this is a big lampstand. It would have put off a good amount of light. There's seven lights and this room was not that that big, wasn't that large of a room. And so it would have lit up the room quite well, but of course, a very intimate kind of candle look atmosphere. And they were to tend these lamps, keep them burning morning and night. These lamps would have had uh, oil in them and it would have burnt the oil and they would have had to refill the oil somewhere between four to six times a day, uh, depending on how much they would keep in there. And every now and then they're gonna have, they would have to replace wicks and they would have to do all this without ever letting it go out. Tend the lamps continually. And so during the night, it says from evening to morning, that was the key time because our human avatars, as I like to call them, our bodies, we need sleep, don't we? And so the priests would have to be on shift and they would have to stay up, keep vigil, stay awake, keep watch to refill the lamps. Tending the lamps meant refilling the oil and uh, trimming the wicks. And they would have to do this through the night, maybe once or twice before the morning would come. The, the light of this lamp represented God's word and his presence among his people. So if they didn't, listen, if they didn't tend to God's presence in their lives, even though God was there and wanting to have a relationship with them and move in their life, well, relationships, you see, are a two-way street. So God longs to tend to us, but we need to tend to him. 
And so we need to tend the lamps. Tell your neighbor, tend the lamps. Continually. Continually. Always. Continually. Without ceasing. On a regular basis. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, we're not Jewish. And we don't have a temple, right? Wrong. Wrong. Romans 9 says that if we believe in Jesus, we are Israel spiritually because it's the same faith as Abraham. Abraham was a real man, so he has a blood lineage which became the nation of Israel. But the whole point is the spiritual reality that God is trying to get mankind to. And scripture says this in Colossians 2, verse 17, these referencing the Old Testament law, the temple worship, the rituals, the sacrifices, all of it, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Hebrews 10 says it this way, verse one, the law, which included the the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the Torah in the Jewish faith, right? Part of our Old Testament of our Bible. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. And so God instituted this temple worship and it was just a shadow. It was a way of them to have a relationship with God, but it was just a shadow of the reality that God was trying to get us to. Imagine that you wanted to meet me and you'd heard about me and you wanted to know me. And I said, okay, we can meet and at, at Butterbee's and, and, and at this time, this week, and we get there and, and, and you get slide in the booth and it's really weird, but like you can't see me, but there's a shadow there, right? Now you could probably figure some things out about me from my shadow, you might be able to discern that I'm about 5'11". My wife says 5'10 and a half. I say 5'11". But uh, you might discern that I don't have a whole lot of hair on my head because there's not weird, uh, you know, projections coming out from my head in the shadow, right? It's just nice and smooth, right? A man shouldn't cover his head because it's the glory of God. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Maybe you could hear my voice. And from hearing my voice and seeing my shadow, you could figure some things out about me. But how many of you know the reality, the glory of me (laughs) is so much more than just a shadow. The old temple worship was just a shadow. It was pointing to the reality that is in Christ. But when God spoke all this to Moses, he said, make sure you do it according to the pattern. It's a pattern from some greater reality in heaven. And he's giving us a shadow of it here on earth so that we can start to understand what God is like in this relationship he wants with us. And somehow Jesus fulfilled this shadow. In fact, Hebrews 10 verse 9 says, he set aside the first, meaning the first covenant, to establish the second. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And so on the, first of all, he lived a perfect sinless life, which no person had ever done. And then he gave that life to die for our sins on the cross, to pay for the debt we owed, the death that we owed. And so Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the Old Testament law. And because he fulfilled it, he set it aside to establish a new covenant, not under law, but under his blood. Not under a written code, but under a person. The written code was a shadow. It describes what God is like. He he doesn't want us killing each other. He doesn't want us lying. He wants us to honor our parents. He doesn't want us cheating on each other. He doesn't want us coveting. It's describing his nature. You kind of get to know he is. But when Jesus came, we could see the fullness. You want to know what God is like? He's Jesus. That's why the gospels are so important. You can read these biographies of Jesus' life. I'm like, wow, this is who God is. Wow, he's so amazing. This, if you ever want to know how God would respond to religious Pharisees or broken, sinful people, read the life of Jesus. You're going to get 
a greater picture of who God is. And so Jesus fulfills all this. He fulfills the first. He sets it aside. He, set, he establishes the second. By the way, it's been prophesied all through the Old Testament. I think it's in Jeremiah. He said, he said I'm going to do a new, new covenant with my people. And at that time, Jeremiah 33, I believe. I'm not, it's not going to be a written law out there. It's going to be a law written on your hearts. I think in Ezekiel, it says he, he's going to take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. He's prophesying to the new covenant. The, the spiritual reality that is found in Christ. And that's why later on in Hebrews, it says this, therefore, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter, listen, the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. In other words, old covenant, you couldn't get close to God. God was shrouded in darkness because there was no lamp in the Holy of Holies. God is not contained in a, a tabernacle or a temple. This was our construct. And because of the constructs of the human mind and human sin, God is shrouded in darkness. And we could see dimly, darkly as in a mirror, but man, we couldn't get close to him. And when Jesus died on that cross, fulfilling the righteous requirement, it was so much better than a, a priest with the blood of a lamb going in there to pour it on a, a golden box. God's like, it's just a shadow. The reality is Jesus died on the cross, gave his life, shed his own precious blood. He was out on Golgotha, the place of the skull. But when he died, it says miraculously, supernaturally, the spirit of God ripped that veil from top to bottom. This was a four inch thick curtain ripped it from top to bottom and the glory of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God was like, let me out of this little dark place. I'm revealing myself to the world. That's what happened when Jesus died on the cross. He fulfilled this covenant. He is the reality. In verse 21, it says, and since we have a great priest, it's talking about the high priest, over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, they would wash in that little basin before they could go into the temple. That's baptism for us. This water represents us dying to sin. We're baptized into Jesus' death, Right? And, and unfortunately, some Christians think that's all there is, right? But man, when we baptize you, we don't hold you under until you die, do we? <laughs> no, you go into his death. You're raised into his new resurrected life. Baptism is not just a symbolic act. It's a prophetic act. I shall live a new life with Christ. So all these people, they're dying to sin and they're coming back and like, I'm new now. Eternal life starts now. I'm walking in the newness now because I can, because Jesus paid for it. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus was the lamb slain. Jesus opened the way. All those Old Testament laws, they're a shadow referencing the reality in Jesus, which means this though. The Old Testament isn't irrelevant if it's a shadow, it's, it's a type, it's a symbol pointing to Jesus. How many of you know, you, you know the gospel, you, you, you know he died on a cross, you place your faith in that. But man, I don't know about you, but when I did that years ago, there was still so much about Jesus I did not know. And we need to get to know him. And one of the best ways to get to know him is through his word. And so every single thing in the Old Testament has meaning and purpose. And if we study it, it, the Holy Spirit will illuminate the word of God in our lives. And it will reveal to us greater truths about how we are called to live. Because we don't have to go to a temple and, and kill one of our animals. We don't, we don't have to off, make offerings of pressed raisins and figs and all these bread and we don't have to do those things but those things are pointing to things that we need to do 
to tend the lamp of the presence of God in our lives. Because you and I, we have a lamp. It's not a physical lamp. You see, the physical lamp was just a shadow. The reality is the lamp of Christ in our lives. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a temple. You do. It's not a physical temple. It's a greater reality. It's what God was trying to get to all along. Not that he would live in a building where everyone on earth would have to come to him, but that he would live in you. He's always wanted to live in his people. And so the New Testament, the New Covenant, the greater reality says, where's the temple? You are the temple. And then we all have the Holy Spirit. We are temples of the Spirit. We're being built together like living stones because we each reflect the manifestation of the Spirit in a unique way. So when we all, none of us fully expresses who God is, but when we get together, we start to see a greater picture of who he is in the house of God, the church that we are a part of. This is the temple now. The gathering, not a building, the gathering. So we could gather at the park. We could gather on our new land, maybe this summer. Come on, somebody, right? (laughs) We could gather in someone's house. We could gather in a sewer. We could gather anywhere. And it's us being built together into a spiritual house where the presence of God dwells. And God's saying, that's the reality. That's why Jesus said, it's not about on a mountain or at the temple. A time is coming and has now come when those who worship will worship in spirit and in truth. So what's the meaning of us tending the lamps? We don't have literal lamps. That's the shadow. What's the reality? Well, the lamp was a seven-fold light. One lampstand with seven lights. It's representative of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm about to blow some of your minds because if you've never heard this before, the Holy Spirit, you know how God is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit? You've probably heard that before. When we baptize people, we're supposed to baptize them in the name singular of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Go figure that one out. In the name singular of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is seven in one. You ever heard that before? I haven't heard too many sermons. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on it. But years ago when I was reading Revelation, it said the seven spirits of God. Jesus holds the seven spirits of God and the seven spirits before the throne. And there's a little text note and I looked down and it says, or could be translated the sevenfold spirit. Sevenfold spirit singular. That's actually the better translation. The Holy Spirit is one spirit of God with seven different spirits or aspects or facets to the Holy Spirit. I like to think about it this way. If you've ever taken the MBTI personality test, there's four facets. I'm an ENFJ, extroverted, intuitive, feeling, and the J stands for uh, organizational. I don't, judging. There we go. Thank you. And uh, it's like an organizational thing, right? That's my personality, but my personality on that assessment has four facets or aspects. The Holy Spirit's one spirit of God, but there's four aspects, four facets, seven, or I'm sorry, seven aspects, seven facets. Isaiah 11 prophesies this as well about Jesus. Isaiah 11, one and two, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Verse two, the spirit of the Lord, everybody say one, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, everybody say two. And of understanding, everybody say three. The spirit of counsel, everybody say four. The spirit of might, five. The spirit of knowledge, everybody say six. And the fear of the Lord, everybody say seven. These are the seven aspects or facets of the Holy Spirit. And it says the spirit of the Lord, all of this will rest on Jesus. It's the spirit of Jesus. Acts 16 says, verse seven says, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. It's a seven fold spirit of the spirit of the Lord. Who is the Lord? It's Jesus. 
spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So tending the lamp of God in your life is tending to the presence, the power, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you tend to the Spirit, you are being led by the Spirit. You keep in step with the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. You're continually being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, and therefore you will bear the fruit of the Spirit and walk in the power and authority of the Spirit. That's what it means to tend the lamp of God in your life. You will, when you tend the lamp, listen, you will stay in the fear of the Lord, which keeps you close to his heart, keeps you far from sin. That's when temptation loses its grip on you because the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. It's not even, doesn't even seem desirous to you. You'll have knowledge about God and life which helps you know how to live and what to do in different situations. You'll have power to overcome sin and Satan and the struggles of life, power to bring healing and deliverance to even help other people in your life. You'll have counsel and advice for yourself from the Spirit of God. And you'll be able to give counsel and advice through the Spirit of God to help others. You'll have understanding about what's going on in the world and in the life God has called you to, and, and, and how things work. And you'll have wisdom for every area of your life, which will bless every area of your life. And through all these, you'll have an intimate experience of the presence of Jesus as Lord in your life, that he's with you and for you. And the fruit of all this will be you filled with love, joy, and peace all the time, continually, always, even on the darkest nights of your soul. Which means, if all this is true, if we neglect the person, ministry, work, gifts, leading, filling, and presence of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in our lives, we neglect everything I've just mentioned. We become lost among the found and we stumble in the darkness like the rest of the world. We hide our light under a bushel. We become blind guides. Christ is the light of the world. Christ is the fire of your lamp. The Holy Spirit is the oil. The Holy Spirit's the oil. You know what you are? You're the wick. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're, you're a wick. And some of you thought, wick one, wick, wick one. Which neighbor? <laughs> you're a wick. You're a wick. You need to start tending to the lamp. Why does God feel far? Why does the sky seem bronze? Why aren't my prayers being answered? Why do I feel all dried up? Oh, I know why. You need to tend to the lamp. You need to tend continually. What does it mean to tend to the lamp? You need a refill of oil. And you need to trim the wicks. Refill of oil. You need more Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't be, don't have so much alcohol that you are really, really influenced by losing your inhibitions and doing bad, sinful things. Instead, he's using it as a metaphor on the flip positive side. Be continually filled with the spirit. So much of the spirit that you get influenced by him, losing your inhibitions in a positive way, boldly declaring Christ, sharing your faith, being that weird, radical, on-fire Christian. Yeah. You know how when you used to get drunk, you did really stupid stuff? People said, you're an idiot. You were an idiot, right? When you were drunk. You get all filled with the spirit. You do really bold things for Jesus, and the world says, you're an idiot, because you, you just can't help it. You're filled up. You got to share it. That's what he's saying. And the verb tense in Ephesians 5.18 is constantly be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Filling is synonymous with baptism, immersion. 
And it's not something we're meant to experience just one time. Many fillings. Fresh, you need a fresh filling today. Some of you need a fresh filling today. Man, I tell you, I need a fresh filling today. You know why? Because this past Wednesday, I was all filled up. I was spilling over the next few days. I need a fresh filling today. We constantly need to, listen, Holy Spirit's the oil. We don't get, we can't, we can't make ourselves be filled with the Spirit, but we can position ourselves by tending to the lamp. How do you tend to the lamp? Well, His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And when you tend to the lamp of the Word of God in your life, it illuminates your spirit and your spirit has revelation. Then you just start feeling good and getting all filled up with the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit is filling you with fresh oil when you tend to the lamp of the Word of God in your life. Reading Scripture every single day. Tend to the lamp. Position yourself. Get in church. Go to prayer meetings. Pray every day. Pray morning, noon, and night. Three times a day. Seven times a day, the psalmist says, I will praise you, God. Come on. Get in God's presence. Get in God's presence. Get in, go back to work, then get back in God's presence. Then go home, spend time with the kids, then get back in God's presence. Then go to sleep, then get back up and get in God's presence. Then go to work, then get back in God's presence. Tend to the lamp. Get a fresh filling of the fresh oil, the Holy Spirit. It was to always be fresh. It was to always be fresh. And you need to trim the wicks. What are the wicks? The oil would burn. The wicks would be consumed. See, the wick is your life, your time, your attention, your sacrifice to God. A sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of time, sacrifice of attention, sacrifice of service, being used by God to bless other people. You're saying, here I am, Lord. I'm a wick. Come and use me. Here I am. It's written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, O God. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and set the captives free. I'm just a wick, Lord. Come light me up. Who wants to get lit by God today? (laughs) Praise God. Just offer him your wick. Romans 12, to be a living sacrifice. Here's my wick. Here's my wick. And the thing about wicks is they get consumed. Your time gets burnt up. And then tomorrow, what do you need to do? Offer him more time. Give him more. Trim the wicks continually. Morning, noon, night. Keep getting back in the presence of God. And so if you're feeling dim or burnt out lately, the question is, are you giving God time and attention to give him an opportunity to fill you up? Are you trimming your wicks daily? One of my favorite men of God in history is A.W. Tozer. One of my, I think it's my favorite book other than the Bible is The Pursuit of God, and it's a short read. And he writes about these deep, masterful concepts of God in simple, common, everyday language. I highly recommend you go read it. But A.W. Tozer said this, In my creature impatience, I am often caused to wish that there were some way to bring modern Christians into a deeper spiritual life painlessly by short, easy lessons. Anybody else wish that? I sure wish that. But such wishes are in vain. No shortcut exists. God has not bowed to our nervous haste nor embraced the methods of our machine age. It is well that we accept the hard truth now. The man who would know God must give him time. Are you giving him time? Are you tending to the lamp of God in your life? So let me ask you a question. Are you on fire for God today? Are you on fire? Man, somebody's on fire. (laughs) Praise God. I'll be honest with you. It's okay if you're not. I know what it's like. It ebbs and flows, doesn't it? There's the mountaintops, there's the valleys. Are you on fire for God today? Even if you are, I want to exhort you 
It's a bit of a warning. You won't stay that way if you don't tend the lamp. We don't just stay on fire for God. Pentecost, God did something crazy. Fire fell. They were all on fire whether they wanted to be or not. But do you know why the early church stayed on fire? Go read the book of Acts and see how many times it says they were praying together. They kept getting back, tending to the Holy Spirit through prayer. Praying, praying, always seeking God for everything. They were always tending the lamp. That's why it says continually, continuously, always tending the lamp. They were to tend a physical lamp stand. What's the reality? Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, continually, all the time. He said in Philippians 4, rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. We're to be rejoicing. Always excited about what God is doing. It's interesting. You won't be excited about what God is doing if you're not observing what God is doing. You won't be able to observe what God is doing if you don't have a pure heart because only the pure in heart will see him. So you have to be pure in heart. You have to be looking. And if you are pure in heart and you're looking, you will see God everywhere. I put in early this morning. Still, it was zero dark 30. And uh, the Lord said, stay here for a minute in my car. And I, it was, I thought, it's a nice day. This was my choice. I put the windows down. Nobody else was here yet. And I heard all these birds. And the Lord goes, you hear that? They're calling forth the day. And he says, I'm calling forth a new day in your life and in your church. And he began to speak to me. He's everywhere. And if you're pure in heart, and if you listen, if you're led by the Spirit, if you're always tending the lamp inside of you, man, you will see him everywhere. You ever been watching like a secular movie? Maybe it's one that if we were to talk about it in church, you'd feel ashamed and you shouldn't have been watching it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about crazy stuff, but like, you know, it's rated R. There's some killing and some cursing and be embarrassed to mention it church. And then you're watching it and all of a sudden God goes, this is what it's like with me. And he starts speaking to your heart through it. Anybody else ever have that experience? I have. Wow. God will speak to you anywhere. If you're tending the lamp. Are you tending the lamp? You won't stay on fire if you don't keep tending the lamp. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always. Pray continually. Another translation, without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? You'll understand that when you understand prayer is not just you talking. It's not just you telling God everything. God told me to get up early and come here early so I could pray. And when I pulled in, he said, stay right here. And for about the next 15, 20 minutes, he spoke to me. And I just listened. And he filled me up. <laughs> and I got done. I was like, so do I need to say anything? <laughs> you know, like, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I came in. I'm ready to go. Prayer is first listening. If you don't know anything about God, anything about Jesus, how are you going to come in and just start praying? He wants to reveal himself to you. Prayer is listening. Prayer is conversing. It's a two-way street. Do it always. You don't have to be in a church. You don't even have to be saying out loud. Be listening to the Lord always without ceasing. And Paul says, and give thanks in all circumstances. By the way, all the time in all things. For this is God's will for you. How are we tending the lamp? Rejoicing always, praying continually, giving thanks in all things, all the time. And remember what Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. He said, for this reason, because I know you have sincere faith, because I know you have a lampstand in your life. His name is Jesus. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind or self 
discipline. So don't be ashamed, Timothy, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. See, Timothy had a lamp in his life, but Timothy struggled with timidity, with being fearful, with the fear of man, with worrying too much about what other people thought about him. And there's something about the fear of man. There's something about fear and worry and insecurity that will quench the flame of the lamp of God in your life. Because God puts the almighty power that rose Jesus from the dead inside of you. And he's given you gifts and he wants you to use them. And the world is dying because the church of God in this country is quenching the Holy Spirit through doctrines made up from men, not from the word of God. And so they say things like, well, that speaking in tongues ain't of God. Go read the word. It says, don't you dare forbid it. Well, it better be orderly. It better be orderly. <laughs> Sonny, turn it. I'll tell you in my prayer closet, I don't need somebody to interpret when I'm praying in my prayer language. I know God's doing stuff. Don't you dare forbid it. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Isn't it funny in America? Those are the two, the American church. Oh, that prophecy stuff. I don't know if that's a God. I'm not speaking in tongues. It's weird. Go read your Bible. Go read your Bible. Don't quench the gift of God in your life. I want to be a church family where if you have a gift, listen, we don't just want you to use it. Actually, it's not just, it's not even about you. If you withhold your gift, you're withholding from the body. You're withholding from someone in this church who needs to hear what you have to say, who needs the service that you are called to provide, who needs the encouragement that you are meant to give who needs the word in tongues that when someone's interprets, oh my goodness, it's a prophetic word and they fall down on their knees and go, God is surely among you. And they give their lives to Christ. That's the gifts working in power. And God gave supernatural gifts that are confusing to our modern minds to keep us humble in a childlike state of depending on his spirit mm -mm -mm, and not on our wisdom and our intellect and isn't it funny some of the biggest pharisee christians who quench the spirit are the ones with doctorate degrees who claim to know the word the best hmm isn't that funny i'm so prideful in my intellectual knowledge of scripture that i don't have an experience of what it says i should be experiencing because i keep quenching it with this you need to get from here to here the word is meant to introduce you to the reality because Jesus is the word made flesh and the spirit is the word made spirit. Wow. We need you to use your gifts and some of the gifts feel kind of weird to the culture you grew up in. And so when someone uses a gift that seems weird to you, your job is not to get jealous or to be suspicious or fearful, because I don't do that. I've never felt that. Well, it's not your gift yet. Appreciate their gift. That's what we're meant to do. Man, we need to tend to the lamp. Paul tells Timothy, fan it in the flame, man. Use it. Practice it. The gifts of the Spirit, by the way, they're not even for you. Did you know that? The gift of the Spirit, God in you, that's for you. That's for you. The gifts of the Spirit, the power anointing of the Spirit, that's not for you. That's so you can be a witness. So the Spirit in you is for you, but the Spirit on you and power is for the world. It's for the church family. Tend to the lamp. Fan it into flame. Some of y'all don't even know what your gifts are. That's okay. You, if you're in Christ, you got them. You need to press in. You need to tend to the lamp. And so I want to close today by addressing all those who are feeling burnout. Because listen, I know when I said, are you on fire? You know, maybe 10, 15% of this room is like, Bruh! which probably means they are having a good day. It's nice weather and they've had their coffee. 
Can we just be honest? Sometimes we think we're on fire. We're really just in a good mood. You know how you can tell because you're in a great mood and you go to Kroger and the Holy Spirit's like, now share your faith with that person. And you're like, <laughs> not on as fire as you thought. We're just having a good day, right? There's a difference. There's a difference. And I know there's a lot of people in here probably feeling burnt out. You might be feeling burnt out because of burnt out. Adam Thomas says burnout happens when we exhaust our supply of oil and we have no way to replenish it. You take on too many responsibilities and pretty soon juggling all of them is the biggest responsibility you have. And you start to wonder if there's any way for a day to be more than 24 hours to stick with our metaphor, you're burning the candle at both ends and your fuel ain't going to last much longer. Burnout is an inevitable. And when it comes, you don't necessarily stop. You might continue your breakneck pace with no fuel until you enter free-for-all and ca- crash land in the desert. I would say it this way. Burnout is when you're doing all of your life and work for God without the presence and encouragement and help of God. You're not taking time to get refueled. It's when you exhaust your supply of oil, he said. That's when you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I want to close today with, with an invitation. And I'm believing the Lord is, is going to honor this and give some people a fresh filling today, who, especially those who really, really, really need it. And so the invitation is two-part. Some of you are in this situation, you're feeling burnout, um, and it's because you don't have any oil at all because you haven't accepted Christ as Lord yet. And if that's you, here's what I'm going to invite you to do today. Acts 2.38, repent, which means change your mind, turn, walk a different way with Jesus, turn to God, repent and be baptized in water, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins... It's not the water that saves, it's the blood of Jesus, but you're professing your faith in him when you get baptized. And here's the promise, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, it goes on to say, is for you and all who feel far off or who are far off. So you might be here in the presence of God trying to draw near, but your heart feels really far off. And God says, that's the one I'm speaking to. The far off ones, this is for you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Well, I'm not sure yet. I just want to feel God and I'm not sure. I just want to know him first. This is how you know him. If you know Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead for you, today's your day to get in this water. Now is the day of salvation. Today. We've already had some people go first. It's all warmed up for you. It's all warmed up for you. And so when we give the invitation here during a prayer time. Um, actually, we're going to shake it up, uh, Ruth, wherever you are. Uh, we'll send, if you want to accept Christ, we're going to have you go to the front left corner, front left corner, and our team will pray with you. And then guess what? We're all ready for you. And we got extra clothes packets. You can get changed. You can get baptized between services if we have time. And if not, then you can get baptized during worship next service. Amen. Amen. Today's the day. Today's the day. If you are like, I have to leave. I'm going to be late and I want to get baptized. Then don't leave here without talking to somebody. Shoot us an email and we will make sure that we make that happen for you. Okay. But today's the day. Take that action step today. Get in it or get it on the calendar today. You need Jesus in your life. You need a lamp or you're lost. The second part of this invitation is for everybody else. For those who are feeling burnout, and this is a beautiful truth I wish I had more time to unpack for us, that we're a kingdom of priests, so we all get to go into the holy place. And remember, they're, they're not separated now. When we go in the holy place, it's the holy of holies, the presence of God. We all get to do that. But even in the Old Testament, there were many priests, but there was one high priest. So there's a kingdom of priests in this room, but Jesus is the great high priest. And here's the encouragement. We need to tend to the lamp of God in our life, his presence. But I know some of you have been so low. You're like, man, I've tried. I've prayed. I come to church. Nothing works. And here's the deal. You have a high priest. 
and the high priest tends to his lamps. Jesus is coming today to tend to your lamp today. And so if you're feeling low or if you just want more of God, even if you're one of the happy ones that's on fire and you're just like, I want more of God. But listen, 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 listen. This is especially for those who feel low. You feel burnout. You need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we close. I'm going to pray here in a minute. I'm going to ask you to come down the center aisle and I'm going to bless you. And I felt led to, this is all God gave me this really specifically this week on Friday afternoon. I have a little vial of oil in my pocket and I felt led to take one little drop and just put it on each forehead that comes forward this is a prophetic act and I'm just going to say a short blessing prayer fresh oil fresh fire you're the wick you're the wick fresh oil fresh fire some of you I believe in this moment are going to receive fresh oil fresh fire today right here in God's presence some of you this is a prophetic act, and this week, or maybe later, uh, as time goes on, God is marking you today. And I felt like the Lord was showing me that he wants me to do this, because through this prophetic act, I'm showing you that this is Jesus. He's coming to tend to your lamp. Okay? And so would you guys stand with me as we pray? And I believe people are, who need physical healing are going to get healed as we close, as we receive this, prayer team, if you would go ahead and come on up on each side, because I forgot to mention this. If you want to come for, if everybody in this room wants to come forward and, and receive that, that's great. Okay, that's great. We'll do that. Um, if, if you don't, you're like, ah, I'm good. You can be dismissed here in a minute. Um, and I would just say, go to the outside and just head out if you're leaving. But everybody who wants this blessing, come through. I'll, I'll be right up here. I'll do that to you. Then flow out. If you need to leave or you want to leave, you absolutely can just leave. Um, but if you're like, man, I want more prayer, then go to our prayer team uh, and receive more prayer. And I would just say for the sake of time, since we have another service, just don't go through a whole line of prayer team members. Just go to one person and just ask for more prayer. Let them pray for you, bless you, and then, and then you can be on your way. Does that make sense, everybody? Everybody clear? So if you, if you just want to go, you're absolutely welcome to step out the side and, and head out. If you want to get baptized, come down the center aisle, head to the left side. My left. Sorry, you're right. My left, you're right. And Miss Ruth's over here. She'll, we can get you prayed for and set up with some clothes to do this today. And everyone else, whatever side you're sitting on, just go to that side if you want to receive more prayer. And either way, once you get blessed, just, just you know, when you're ready to leave, go to the outer, right? So we don't have a little traffic jam, okay? Um, first row people, um, if, if you want, we can start with you. So um, yeah, I'll just pray and step down. God, I just thank you for this time. And I ask that you would anoint your people today. Jesus, come right now and walk among, your word says you walk among the lamp stands. <laughs> and our church is a lampstand. And so Jesus is here right now. He's walking among us right now. The Holy Spirit is now in every one of us. And the Father is here. He's watching, hovering over. It's so beautiful. There's a light above you. The light is hope. There's a sea beneath you. The sea is peace. You will not sink in that sea. You will walk on it with the help of Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you to come to give fresh oil and fresh fire to these wicks, your people. I ask for new wicks. I ask for greater capacities of time, resources, energy. Thank you, Jesus. We love you.